step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That means uh, it's, it's covered in His mercy seat through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Well, where's boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing there is therefore one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law? Through faith? God forbid. May it never be. Yet, on the contrary, we establish the law. Now this text tells us exactly what the cross means to God. What the death of Christ and the atoning work of Christ, the blood-shedding sacrifice of Christ, what it meant to God some 2,000 years ago. And four things, in my opinion, stands out. It declared God's righteousness. It exalted God's grace. It revealed God's consistency. And it confirmed every promise in God's word. Now, my intent this morning is to worship and honor God our Father. And so it's fitting that we, in worshiping Him, look to the cross, as it were, in relationship to Him. 
that we might worship him for his righteousness, his grace, his consistency, his law, his word. So let's look at the first part. Amen. The cross revealed God's righteousness in verse 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness. Amen. So let's just stop there for a second. Christ died on the cross to demonstrate or to reveal or to declare God's righteousness. This is a very, very essential, a very, very important issue. Men have always struggled with this matter. Why? Because when you understand God to be a righteous God, and you understand yourself to be a sinner, it puts you in a very difficult position. How can a sinful man be right with the creator of the universe, Almighty God? This is man's age-old longing, how can I know God? How can I be forgiven by God? How can I ever be right with God? And it's that very question that has spawned all the different religions. You see, religion is, in every sense, an attempt to answer that question. To solve the cry of the heart of man to appease whatever deity he may believe in. Under whose authority he feels himself and under whose judgment he is afraid. How can I be right with God? Is God righteous? Holy? Is he a just God? And if he is truly indeed all that, then how could I ever appease him? How could I ever satisfy his requirements for holiness and for perfection and for justice and righteousness? How can I ever be in right standing with him? One sinner, in a rather poetic type of way, put his musings down like this. The one wished to dispute with him, and he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. His wisdom is profound. His power is vast. Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? He moves mountains without them even knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it doesn't shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He's the maker of the bear and of Orion, the Pleiades, and the constellations of the south. He he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be numbered. When he passes me by, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God doesn't restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. How then 
Could I ever dispute with him? How can I find words to argue with him? Though I were innocent, I could not answer him. I could not plead with my judge for mercy. Even if I summoned him and he responded, I do not believe he would even give me a hearing. He would crush me with a storm or multiply my wounds for no reason. He would not let me regain my breath but would just overwhelm me with misery. If it is a matter of strength, he's mighty. If it's a matter of justice, who could issue him a summons? Even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. Even if I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. Now, of course, I'm talking about Job here. The musings of a man who fears he could never be right with God. Now, many suggestions are made about how man can be right with God. And we call them religion. But apart from Christianity, all of them involve human achievement and human works. And they do not satisfy God. They do not make provision for us. And they truly do not make us right with God. You remember uh, Bilidad? The friend of Job, echoing Job's cry. How can a man be right with God? How can he ever be clean? Remember Paul on the Damascus Road? What would you have me to do, Lord? Remember those who heard Peter cry, What shall we do? Remember those in hearing Jesus who said, What do we do to work the works of God? Do you remember the Philippian jailer who said, What must I do to be saved? How can I connect up with a righteous, holy, just God? That has always been the cry of man in his heart. Now, if God were just to move down and forgive man, that would strike a blow against his justice. And someone could well say, well, God's justice is just whimsical. God's righteousness, capricious, and he's on again, off again, because some sinners he judges and damns to hell, and some he forgives, and you just can't trust his righteousness, so therefore you can't trust his holiness, and therefore you can't trust his justice to be true. God wants, however, to know that his nature is immutable, in any attribute, and that his justice, his holiness, his righteousness is also immutable and unchanging and absolutely consistent. And so God devised a plan which would demonstrate and reveal his righteousness. Verse 24 says, we are justified. We are made right with God as a gift by his grace through the redemption which was bought and paid for through Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen, there is nothing any person can do to be made right with God. None. There's nothing any person can do to satisfy God's requirement for holiness and righteousness. None. There is nothing any human being can do to settle God's justice. And so if we cannot do anything, then the initiative has to be with who? 
with him. And so Paul says we are justified as a gift of his grace. God gives us the justification, a righteousness. God gives us a right relationship with him. We can't do it. We could never satisfy his righteous demands. After all, Jesus said, Be ye perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And we remember the words of Isaiah, All your righteousness are as filthy rags. We could, at our best, only attain to the level of being seen as filthy rags. We could never be perfect. Therefore, we could never achieve a relationship with God that would satisfy God. So God had to give us a gift. He had to give to us, in other words, what we could never earn. That's a gift, isn't it? If you don't earn a gift, it's given to you. If you earned it, it it's not a gift. It's wages or it's pay. So God gave us the gift. Hallelujah. Shout amen somebody. Glory to God. But in giving us a gift, somebody might say, God is not a just God because it's not just to just give you a gift when you don't deserve it. God is not a holy God because he's overlooking your sin. God is not a righteous God because he's tolerating your unrighteousness. God is accepting you as you are, which means God has lowered his standards. And that would be an accusation. And it would be readily on the lips of any Pharisee. (laughs) Believe me. And that's what Paul says also. But God did not give us a gift. It came out of his grace which means it was undeserved, unmerited, unearned. And he gave it to us through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. And that word redemption means a ransom that has been paid. You know what a ransom is? Somebody kidnaps a child, hauls them off somewhere, calls up and says, the ransom is $200,000. You want to buy this child back? That's the price. Ransom means to pay a price to buy somebody back. And it was used in ancient times to buy a slave out of bondage into freedom. And even in some places, it's still used today. Amen? There are some ministries that that's what they do. And so God says, look, I'm going to give you the gift of a right relationship with me. The gift of the forgiveness of all your sins, the gift of eternal life. You will live forever, but the price must be paid. And it was paid, he says, in Christ Jesus. It isn't that God just you know, whimsically gave his justice and shoved it aside and just overlooks it and shoves his righteousness aside and says, I cancel the holiness part. I'll just live in love for a while. I'll just be gracious for a little while. I'll be merciful for a little while. And I'll just ignore all those other things. No, God's not like that. God's holiness and His righteousness and His justice can never 
be set aside. God will always, 100% of the time, operate consistent with his nature. And so whatever he does is good and gracious and merciful. And it will also be holy, just, and righteous. Amen. Well, how does he do that? He did it through the price which was paid by Christ Jesus. In other words, he was so holy and he was so just and he was so righteous that he required some price to be paid for sin. And the price that was set was death. And he was so loving and so gracious and so merciful to us that he gave the only person who ever lived perfect before him in all righteousness, holiness, graciousness, mercy, and love. He gave his son, his very own son, created in his image to pay the ultimate price. The only person who was ever born that never sinned. The only person who deserved to live forever in heaven, he gave as the price for our sin. Therefore, justice was satisfied, and so was grace. Holiness was satisfied, and so was mercy. Righteousness was satisfied, and so was love. And so it says in verse 25 that God displayed Christ publicly as a propitiation in his blood. Let's stop there for a second. I covered that a little bit as we were reading it. God displayed Christ publicly. What does that mean? Just what it says. He lifted him up where everyone could see him. He made him to be a propitiation. That word in Greek is, if I could pronounce this correctly, hilasterion, which means a satisfaction. A satisfaction. The criticism, you see, was that God was not righteous, just, and holy if he just overlooked sin. Because, you see, at the end of verse 25, it says, in the past, God had been forbearing and passed over sins previously committed. Well, how could he do that? How could he do that and still be just? How could he wink at it, as it says in Acts, the sins of all those generations? How could he tolerate all that? Because he knew somebody was going to pay the price one day. How could he forgive sinners? How can he just forgive them and still be just? Because he knew the price of death would be paid one day. And his justice and his holiness and in his righteousness would all be satisfied at the same time. Now, I suppose to some people it would seem as if divine justice was sleeping. As if divine righteousness had gone on a vacation. As if divine holiness had slipped into a coma. Men sinned here and got away with it. And they still do 
today. You can see it when you walk down the street. I guarantee you that 90% of parking driveways and garages in the United States today has cars in it. Meaning the people are still at home doing their own thing instead of being in church on a Sunday morning worshiping the Most High God and thanking them for sending Jesus to the cross. I guarantee it. You can drive by any church, well, most church parking lots and they're half empty. Go by the mall and see how full that is. Go by the bars tonight. See how full they are. Drive by the churches tonight and see how empty those parking lots are. So it's happening still today. Now the people back then and today, they live, they prospered. Where were the wages of their sins? What about the soul that sins? Well, it'll die. And then all of a sudden along come these preachers saying, he's going to forgive them, he's going to forgive, he's going to forgive, he's gracious, he's loving, he's merciful, he's going to forgive. And the question immediately arises, wait a minute, stop, wait a minute. If God is holy and righteous, he can't just be overlooking sin. It must be punished. It cannot be excused. It cannot just fade away. It cannot be ignored. And no amount of optimism, optimism, glory to God, no amount of love or grace or mercy can set aside sin and stop requiring the penalty of death. A holy God can't do that. A holy God can never bypass sin and just be complacent about evil. And even though he loved the sinner deeply, he cannot forgive the sinner unless his justice is satisfied. So the question is, how can a sinful man become acceptable to a righteous God? Well... The price for sin has to be paid. Amen. And it has to be paid with a righteous sacrifice. Amen. So man can't do it. So somebody has to pay the price for them. And God, out of love, chooses not to punish the sinner, but instead he punished his righteous son. Therefore, he preserves the integrity of his nature, he preserves his reputation, and he gives place to his grace as well. Hallelujah. If the sinner were to suffer for his own sin, he will suffer eternally because that price can never be paid. Amen. Amen. Shout amen if you hear that. Shout amen. And even all of eternity can never pay the price because if it could, eternity would end. Today, if someone gets a crime and gets caught, they go to prison for, let's say, 20 years. But they know 
At the end of those 20 years, though it may seem like a long time to us here on this earth right now, to this prisoner, he holds on, counting the days, counting the months, counting the years, until one day they open up his cell and declare, your sentence is up, you are free. But with eternity, there is no end. It just keeps going and going and going, and it never gets better. There are no good days in hell. Amen. But God is gracious. He provides a sacrifice for us. Jesus Christ died the death you deserved. He became sin who knew no sin. He died in our place. He is our substitute. He had to be made a man to die as a man. He had to be God and perfect in every way to overcome death and sin. And so the God slash man had to suffer. Jesus said the Son of Man must suffer and be killed. He knew it. And the early church preached why Christ must needs to have suffered. The sacrifices of all the bulls and all the goats and all the lambs could not do it. It could not atone for man's sin. Hebrews 10 says, By the blood of bulls and goats, no flesh has been sanctified. And it is an animal sacrifice that did it. That was just a picture of the sacrifice to come. It isn't human achievement. Nothing you can do will satisfy God. A price has to be paid. And it is the price of bloodshed and death. And Christ paid it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And Psalms 49 verses 7 and 8 says, None of them can redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemptions of their souls is too costly. Amen? The price is higher than any human being can ever pay. But it was paid for by Christ. No sinner could atone for the sins of his fellow sinners. So the Christ had to be the perfect one that paid the price of divine justice and bore the sins of the whole world. The death of Christ then was not only an act of grace, it was an act of justice. Did you note in verse 25 that it says he is a propitiation in his blood through faith? And at the end of verse 26, it says he is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This provision, this sacrifice of Christ, is appropriated through faith. Through faith, through believing. That is very essential, so very basic to our faith. You appropriate the work of Christ by believing. That's true faith. So God and his cross puts his justice, his righteousness, and his holiness on display. 
So just and righteous and holy is he that even as much as he wants to forgive the sinner, he can't do it unless the price is paid first. Even if the price that has to be paid is paid by his own righteous son. That's how just God is. Amen. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.